Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And he gave himself, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. I want there to just be a continuation this evening of the ministry this morning. You can be seated. I'm going to be completely transparent with you this evening and tell you that there's a part of me that would be much more comfortable with doing something differently than I feel like the Lord has me doing tonight. Uh, it doesn't mean that I'm against it. It doesn't mean that I don't want to. It's just that uh, what's going to happen tonight is, is leadership, and what's going to happen tonight is uh, something like what we just read out of Ephesians chapter 4. One of the roles of the fivefold ministry is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry and to build up the body of Christ, and we're going to do some of that tonight. Amen? I want to talk to you tonight about your prayer voice, your prayer voice. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have a prayer voice. I don't know a better time to do it, but I want to just here at the beginning of the year, the first Sunday night of the year, I just want to point out a couple things. Number one, you do have a prayer voice. Number two, we are a praying church, and we prioritize prayer above pretty much everything else. Because it's what the Lord has us to do. It's one of the things that changes things the most. It's one of the ways that God's power activates in the greatest way. And we have different things that are here at Bluff City that maybe you know about and maybe you haven't realized yet. But we have ways that we prioritize prayer. We believe that you need to have a personal prayer life. But we believe that we can do things collectively together that emphasizes prayer in an appropriate way. And one of the ways that we do that is we have prayer uh, rooms to each side of the sanctuary. These are the prayer rooms, and they are available before our Sunday services and before our Wednesday services, and they are exactly what they sound like. They are for prayer, and so no matter what you carry in and no matter what you deal with on the outside, you can come to one of these prayer rooms, and you can get your spirit right before we do what we're doing, <clears throat> excuse me, before we get what we do what we're doing right now, and that's important. That's important because prayer changes things, and sometimes the thing that prayer changes the most is old me. It may not change my circumstances, Sister Kathy. It may not change the different things going on in my life and in my world, but prayer always changes me. I can tell you that for certain. And sometimes before I get under the word of God and I get into a service like this, I need some things to change on me, and prayer does that. And our prayer rooms are available for that, amen? Another thing that we do on Sunday mornings, uh, Brother Billy, where are you at? Is Brother Billy here? Brother Billy able to, there he is back there. Brother Billy's, Brother Billy's almost always here at 8 o'clock in the morning on Sundays. He's been keeping the torch lit for us. And we come on 8 o'clock on Sunday mornings, the church is open, and the church is available for prayer. And I want to encourage you, that's men, women, anybody, if you want to come a little extra early for prayer on Sunday mornings, we want you to know that's available. Amen. We appreciate if you would, because there's something about a covering in prayer that just does something to our Sunday services. Amen? There's powerful things that happen. There's life and death things that happen on Sundays. And we need a prayer covering. And we need things that are already in motion on Sunday mornings. People that have said, I'm going to sacrifice a little more, and I'm going to be in the house of God a little bit early, and I'm going to call down heaven on this place, and I'm going to bless some things. I'm going to speak some things, and my faith is already going to be flowing. We need that. We need that. I don't know if you've ever come into church, and you need a move of God in your life, but there's never a Sunday that goes by that somebody isn't in the house that needs a move of God in their life. 
And if it hasn't been you in a while, just get ready because one day it's going to be you. And you're going to be glad that there's some people that have decided we're going to be a praying church. We are a praying church. And we're going to prioritize it with our prayer rooms, with our early morning prayer. Amen? You'll note, you probably notice that on Sunday nights, a lot of times we start the service with prayer. Sometimes we pray for five minutes. Sometimes, Brother Walker, we pray for half an hour. And that's okay. That's what it's all about. Prayer is not the prelude to some ministry. Prayer is the ministry. Prayer is the main thing. If all we do is pray, God can do it in a prayer meeting just like he can do it in any other service. I'm talking about your prayer voice tonight. I'm telling you that there's some opportunities around here where your prayer voice can step out of your personal prayer and it can start to impact the entire congregation. Amen? The other place that we prioritize prayer in a big, big way here at Bluff City is during our altar services. We believe that when the word of God goes forth, or sometimes even during the singing and the praise and worship, it doesn't really matter, that we have powerful moves of God around these altars. Amen? And that's part of who we are. We're apostolic Pentecostal church. We believe that that can happen anytime, and it should be regular. That's the place where breakthroughs happen. Amen? Now, there's a, scripture, there's a scripture that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, and he said, quench not the spirit. Quench not the spirit. And I'm just going to backtrack and lean on something that Bishop said on Wednesday night. We live in a microwave generation. We live in a generation, we are so hurried, we are so uh, inundated with notifications on our devices, our calendars, and our date books are so full, and our op- we, we, we want everything fast, amen, and we expect everything fast, but can I tell you something that you probably already know? God doesn't move on our timetable, and sometimes we need to linger in the presence of God. Uh, that was the weakest amen I've got so far. Because I know, I said it this morning, we'd rather almost talk about money than we would our time. Because our time is very, very valuable. But you know what's even more valuable? Prayer. Prayer. Because prayer changes things. Prayer around these altars is where the breakthrough happens. Prayer around these altars, I'm not just talking about, I'm talking about deep worship. I'm talking about God moments. I'm talking about times whenever we just slow down and we spend time in the presence of God together. There's things that are happening around our altars on Sundays and Wednesdays that really don't happen anywhere else. And we need to linger around the presence of God. And, I, and one of the ways that we're going to start doing, we're going to start pushing back against the microwave mentality. Can we do that? Can we collectively do it? Here's one way that we're going to do it. There's, there's a tendency in our mind, and it's this way on purpose. We, this isn't a, a bad thing. But when we are in the end stages of a service and the word's gone forth or there's ministry that's been happening and there's still ministry happening around the altars, okay? We have a tendency. We... we, we want to hear the magic words that we have been dismissed. If we don't hear those words, we can't move, right? In the early days of the Pentecostal movements in the 1900s, they would have meetings and services where people would come and go. Amen? There would be a word, there would be ministry, and there would be coming and going because people had life to live and they had obligations and they had things they had to do. And, and there was no expectation necessarily that everyone had to hang around the, enti- all, all, the entire time. Okay, and I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you, I hope you get up and leave right now. Okay? 
And I'm not, and listen, I'm, not, I'm also, Brother Ryan, not saying that we need to be disorganized and we need to just fly by the seat of our pants. I'm not saying that either. But we're going to have to get over the minister or one of the ministry having to come up and say, you are dismissed before we know what to do. Because sometimes there's still ministry happening. And you've been, if, if you've been in church as long as I have, or if you've been even in church for the last year, you know that when there's ministry happening and somebody steps up to this pulpit and, and starts to address everybody and tries to make the motion that, hey, like, if you need to go, you can go. It doesn't matter what we say, things start to shut down. And, and I'm just going to tell you, to be unclear is to be unkind, so I'm just going to be clear. We value your time. I, I value your time. And I also value hospitality. I want you to understand what's going on. I don't want there to be confusion about what's expected and what's going on. But we're going to have to make allowance for lingering in the presence of God. We're going to have to. Brothers and sisters, we're going to have to. We have to. We have to. There's no other way forward. And one of the ways that we're going to do it, not the only way, but one of the ways we're going to do it is occasionally, occasionally, you're going to start to see uh, when, when there's moments like that, you may see a slide go up on the screen that looks something like what Brother Caleb's going to put up. It may not be that exact one, but it might be something similar to it. And it says it all. And when you see that, what that means is we're probably not going to step to the pulpit for fear of interrupting anything that's going on. It means that we are creating an atmosphere where we are going to let the presence of God do things as long as he desires to, and we're going to let people linger in it as long as they want to. Is that okay? All right. All right. We have to. We have to. We have to get past the microwave mentality. And this isn't, this is, I'm not on a crusade tonight, and I don't have, I, I don't have an axe to grind. I'm just telling you, this is the leadership speaking. We're going to be a church that allows for God's presence to work no matter how long it takes. Okay, And I say that with all due respect to your time. If, if you see that slide go up, hear me, that's not a test. Okay, That's not a test. I joke with Sister Natalie, I say everything is a test. That's not a test. It's not a test like, oh, are you spiritual or not? There's places I understand. Some of you have to get to work. Some of you have to get up very, very early the next morning. If, if the Lord has ministered to you and you need to move on with your day or your evening, that's okay. It's not a gotcha. Okay, we're not going to badmouth you. All, what we're going to do is we're going to not quench the spirit. That's what we're going to do. Because there's breakthrough that happens. There's deep worship that happens. There's deliverance that happens. There's, time, there's things that take more than five or ten minutes at the altar. There's such a thing as praying through. And it might take a half hour. It might take an hour. It might take two hours. I'm not going to put a time limit on it. Amen? And so occasionally you may see something like that. And we just want you to know it's, it, it's out of nothing except that we want to allow the Spirit of God to have free reign. Because prayer around these altars, prayer in these prayer rooms, they make the difference. They make the difference. We might practice that tonight a little bit. I want to talk to you tonight about your praying voice. If you pray, you need to continue in prayer. If you have an active prayer life, I want to tell you that there's never been a time when you need to continue 
and to continue to grow in that prayer life. Amen? If you're not praying, it's time to pray. I'm not here to browbeat you. I'm not here to get you in trouble. I'm just here to tell you, only you maybe know. If you're not praying, it's time to pray. You need to get to praying. If you haven't been praying, now's not the time to feel condemned. Hear me loud and clear tonight. Do not walk out of this building hanging your head and feeling condemned about not praying enough. John chapter 3 verse 17 says, God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Condemnation is not from God. Don't you dare feel like I am speaking condemnation over you for a single second. But I am here to sound the alarm and tell you, if you haven't been praying, it's time to get praying. It's time to pray. Conviction is from God. Condemnation is not from God, but conviction is from God. And when I say conviction, I'm talking about that thing where the word of God, where the spirit of God pierces your emotions in your heart. In Acts chapter 2, it says they were cut to the heart. Amen? In other places, it says that God smote me. I'm talking about conviction. That is from God. And so if you're sitting under the sound of my voice tonight and you know that your prayer life is not what it should be and you know that your prayer voice is not as active as it should be, this is your alarm today. It's time to get to praying in 2024. Amen? I'm not being harsh and I'm not on the warpath, but I am on the wall tonight telling you that it's time to pray. It's time to pray. Like you've never prayed before. God isn't, this is what Bishop Williams said Wednesday night. I wrote it down. God isn't going to quit on your prayers. God isn't going to quit on your prayers. If you haven't been praying like you should, you don't have to work yourself into a two-year apprenticeship before God starts hearing your prayers. All you have to do is start tonight. And God's not going to quit on your prayers, and he's not going to put you on a waiting list. Amen? Bishop ministered to us on Wednesday night. I keep going back to it because it impacted me. And I wrote down some things that I, I want to come back to tonight and I want to share. He talked at one point about how God communicates with him. He, 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 was, he, he was saying God communicates in 3D, right? Right? I don't want to misquote you. But God, you know, he just said the Lord will show me things. And the Lord will, and, and, and God, does that, God does that differently with everybody. God's going to speak to you in a way that you understand. But then he said something. He said, we need to pray in 3D. We need to pray like that. And he described how there's a visible realm and an invisible realm. Who believes that? Who believes that? I'm, I hope you believe it because the word of God testifies to it. Colossians chapter 1 says, for by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3 says, by faith we understand that the world's were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible, which, are impl which implies that there are invisible things. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18 says, We do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. So obviously, I'm going to state the obvious today, we are visible, physical creatures. We live in the visible. We live in the tangible, in the material. But there is an invisible realm. There are invisible things. 
And that only means that they're invisible to us. It doesn't mean they're any less real. It just means they're not visible to you and me. And we're visible, physical creatures, and that's okay. God made us that way. If God hadn't wanted it that way, he'd have made it different. He, he got done with us, and he called it good. But what is the part of you that you can activate that is invisible? Your voice. Me and Sister Lydia talked about this last night at bedtime at our house. Your voice. It is a part of you. You can hear it. You just can't see it. Why is your prayer voice so important? Your prayer voice is important because when you activate it, you're able to intersect with that invisible realm of the spirit. Everyone following me? I'm not getting too far out there with you, am I? Prayer is important. Prayer is what opens the door to the supernatural. Prayer is how we become active in the things of God. And your voice is a key component to it. Your voice is what makes the difference. That's how important your prayer voice is. It is the way in to this invisible realm. There's things that happen. There's things, that's when we say, when we say prayer changes things, it's changing things in the invisible. And only sometimes later does it become evident in the visible. Amen? There's, what a privilege prayer is. I mean, does it blow your mind like it blows my mind? That we are able, that God has equipped us with a voice where we can, as visible physical creatures, we have what the animals don't have. We have a voice that can speak words, that can have intelligent thoughts, and we can put voice to them, and we can interact and intersect with the things of the spirit that we can have spirit there can be spiritual outcomes to things that you do what a privilege that is that old song what a privilege it is to be able to go to the lord in prayer how powerful it is to know to have the revelation not just that this isn't all there is, but that this isn't all there is available to me. That I, through prayer, when I activate the voice that God gave me in prayer, that I can start to interact with the things that God has in the invisible. I, I it just, I, I can't ever get over it when you start to think about it. When you start to think about the privilege and the ability that we have. And, and it's the thing that makes, I, I hate the devil. I hate the devil. Because the goal of the devil is to render you powerless and hopeless. And he does it one of the ways, hear me tonight, one of the ways that he does it is the adversary will convince people that there is no way that you could ever connect to spiritual things. And he will do that by telling you that your voice doesn't matter. He'll, 
He's willing to, Sister Courtney, he's willing to allow you to be aware, aware of the invisible things. But he wants to persuade you that you can't participate in any of that. The adversary is content that you are aware that there is an immaterial world. There is an invisible realm. There are things of the spirit. But the adversary convinces people with great success that there's no way that they can ever cross over and participate in any of that. He convinces you that you don't have a voice for prayer. He convinces you maybe that your voice in prayer doesn't matter. He does everything that he can to take your voice away. And Satan tries to imprison you in the visible and cause you to believe that you can never access the invisible spiritual things of God. Can I say it another way? The adversary wants to convince you that you cannot access the power of prayer. And I'm here to shine a light on the lie of the devil today. That you have a prayer voice. I know it's elementary. I know that it's just basic tonight. But you have a prayer voice. And your prayer voice is powerful. And your prayer voice is your greatest weapon that you have. I don't care how much you know about the word of God. It doesn't impress me that you're able to recite a bunch of facts about God's word. But when you activate your prayer voice and you start to realize and lay hold of the power of God that God wants to work in you and through you through prayer. Oh, something starts to happen whenever a lady or a man says, I'm going to activate my voice in prayer. I'm going to be a prayer warrior. I'm going to pray and use my voice. Satan will try to strip away the prayer voice of a lady. Because he knows that a woman's God-given nature will make her powerful in prayer for the people in her life. But when women begin to pray, the church becomes healthy and the church is strong. God, God designed each of us with a particular temperament and personality. And we need your prayer voice as a part of this body. Satan will try to neuter the prayer voice of the men. Because he knows that a man's God-given nature will make him a mighty warrior in prayer and in the things of the Spirit. And when men begin to pray, the church is allowed to go on offense. I said when men let their voices ring out in prayer and say, I'm not going to whisper. And I'm not going to pray in my head. And I'm not going to be intimidated by the adversary anymore. But I'm not going to allow him to take away my voice. When the men begin to pray, then the church is triumphant. And the church goes on the offense. Maybe you don't understand what it means for the church to go on the offense. But here's what it means. It means that the church starts to march against the gates of hell. It means that your, your, your loved ones who are held captive by bondages and addictions and perversions. It means that the church starts spiritually going on offense. 
It means that the church starts to push back the powers of darkness that reign free over our families and over our neighborhoods and our workplaces. It means that we start to speak some things and some things are allowed to be bound and some things are allowed to be loosed in people's lives that are bound by things. They start to experience God in a new way and God can start giving them revelation. And people can be born again into the kingdom of God when the church says, I'm going to find my prayer voice. And I just wish somebody would say tonight that the devil isn't going to hold my prayer voice captive in 2024. My prayer voice isn't going to be passive, but I'm going to wake up that voice that's inside of me that God gave to me. I wish there would be a lady, a mom or a grandma or a daughter that would say, I'm going to pray this year like I've never prayed this year. I wish there'd be a husband or a dad or a son that would say, I'm going to let my masculine prayer voice ring out in the halls of my home and in the prayer rooms and in the altars because the devil's not going to hold my prayer voice captive this year. I'm going to release it in Jesus' name. The musicians would come. Here's what the Lord made clear to me about tonight. This this hasn't probably been revelatory to a deep degree tonight, but this has been leadership ministry. This has been, I'm telling you that this is what we're about. I'm telling you that we are a praying church, and Brother Elledge, we're going to continue to be a praying church into the future because prayer is where the power's at. There's only one way to beat back the gates of hell, and it is through prayer. There's people that know the Bible better than I do, but I'm here to tell you that no one's going to match me in prayer this year. We are a praying church, and we're going to grow together in this this year. And I want you to know, hear this word of encouragement to somebody tonight. I want you to know how high of a view I have of you. I believe in leadership of the church. I believe the Bible spells it out. But I do not believe in a division between clergy and laity. I do not believe that there are, there's a separate class of holy and sacred people who have special access to God. I only say that because I want you to understand what a tremendously high view I have of you. I believe that the saints of God make the difference in a body. Ladies, I'm challenging you. Men, I'm challenging you. Put your prayer voice in to work in 2024. Brother Herod's going to be here with us next weekend. And here's what needs to happen. We need to start tonight. We need to start tonight. Because we have an open door at the beginning of this year. And I don't know what the future holds. And I don't know what the rest of the year holds. But I feel in my spirit that we have an open door in the first quarter of this year. Brother Herod's going to be with us next Sunday. And there's always miraculous ministry and supernatural ministry that accompanies his preaching and everything that he does. And I just believe that there's chains that can fall next weekend. I believe that in the next six days there can be people that text you out of the blue, Brother Ben, that begin to say, you know what, I'm stirred in my spirit. Can we stand all across this room right now? I said it this morning, if you will do what you can do, God will start to do what only he can do. I want to see what God can do. Brothers and sisters, I'm well aware of my limitations. And as high of a view as I have of you, Sister Gina, I know you have limitations too. 
God doesn't have any limitations. God doesn't have any limitations. And so if you put a name in one of these baskets this morning in faith, and you just aren't sure, you're saying, you know what, I've got limitations. I don't know how it's going to happen, Sister Anderson. I'm going to have to make an appeal to God because he doesn't have any limitations. Here's what I want us to do. We're going to make this a house of prayer. We're going to start tonight. And I want to challenge you. Don't be timid with your voice. I'm not calling on you to be obnoxious or to cause a scene. But brothers and sisters, it's time to activate your vocal cords in prayer. It's time to touch heaven with your prayer. It's time to step into that invisible, into the supernatural with your prayer. Listen to me. It's the only place that deliverance can start. It's the only place that the chains begin to break. And so these baskets are going to open up. And I want you to pull a name out. We've already written down all the names. I want you to bring the papers back. But I want you to pull a name out. I want you to pray over it tonight. You may not know who that person is, but God knows who that is. Amen.